Sports Pan with you on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you and glad that you're along this Thursday afternoon. It is Local 3 Thursday here on ESPN-UP and with that, Jake Durant in studio with us. What's going on, Jake? I'm just enjoying Thursday. I'm, I'm anxious. Uh, this week, like last week, it's been dragging by because, uh, as we all know, pretty big game Sunday. Um, and I don't really like to wish like the weekend goes by fast because mm-hmm. I do enjoy Saturday. I do enjoy the weekend, but I just can't wait for Sunday, Sunday evening. Um, it's a big game, man. It's, it's a big statement game. I think this is probably next to that Super Bowl, the biggest game in Aaron Rodgers' career. Um, he has a lot to prove. He can prove a lot if he's able to go to San Fran and, and beat a really, really good San Francisco 49ers team. Um, I have 100% respect for this Niners team. You know, they're scary. They're scary. Every time you look you look at that defense, the personnel they have loaded with first-round draft picks, and then you think back to what they did against Green Bay Week 12. Even though I think Green Bay kind of let that game slip away from them early, obviously with a an early turnover, which led to a score. So they were kind of climbing that hill early, and, and I think the game did kind of get away from them where they kind of got out of their rhythm, out of what did the, their game plan, what they wanted to do, and it kind of just spiraled. But um, that's going to be a good game, man. I'm just I've just been like every single day counting down the days. I'm I'm watching the count the days, and normally I don't do that. Other than you and all the other Packer fans, Niner fans, Chiefs fans, and Titans fans, this is a weird day in sports because we have some really good what we think will be really good games coming up this weekend to decide who goes to the Super Bowl. And that's maybe the third biggest story of the day between everything that's been going on with LSU, with Odell Beckham Jr., with Major League Baseball, with Carlos Beltran. There's no shortage of content to get into today. By the way, Bessemer, did you see that? They got on uh, Fallon last night? Did they? I did not see that. The city of Bessemer got in Jimmy Fallon's monologue last night because of the new marijuana farm that's going on out there that's being grown and how they didn't quite do it right, and now the whole city has what the kids call a dank stench. Oh, really? So, Jimmy Fallon, Weed Town, USA. Well, you know what they say, any publicity is good publicity, (laughs) even if it's bad. (laughs) Who knows, maybe you're going to have people traveling up there just to to take a whiff, I don't know. Why not? People like the UP. People will like it if they come up here and experience it. It's another thing to do, you know, it's it's outdoorsy. Come check out Bessemer. Go go check, just drive through, that's all you got to do. Or, you know, check out the Jimmy Fallon clip, maybe you get a good idea of it that way. I'll, I'll definitely check that out after this. Either or, let's get into some, well, let's start with baseball here. We're going to save football for a little bit because I know that you're going to have a lot of thoughts on that. But with baseball, it was announced today that Carlos Beltran has stepped down as manager of the New York Mets, which I'm I'm glad for. You know, I'd never like it when anyone loses their job, but it needed to happen in this situation. I'm still, you know, it's getting better, but I still don't love the punishment that Major League Baseball put in place for the Astros and no? potentially for the Red Sox. No, I don't. Not while well, the players are getting full immunity. That's true. That's what I don't like about this. And here's the thing. You can't necessarily give the title to the Dodgers in 27. You can't take that and give it to the Dodgers because, you know, maybe they would have won it. Maybe they wouldn't if the Astros didn't win. You can't just award them a championship. You can sure take that title away from the Astros, though, and just vacate the thing completely. And that's what I wish would happen. The players would give back their World Series rings. And, you know, and it's weird because A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, you know, they're part of the new generation of baseball managers. They're those innovative guys that know how the game is changing. They're what you want. And then Carlos Beltran, a player's manager, you know, he was a guy I really liked as a player. I liked all these guys before all this. And you know what? I still like them as people. And that's what I think people... 
get the wrong idea from, you know, is that these are good people who did a bad thing. Mm -hmm. They're not bad people who did a bad thing. And, you know, good people do bad things all the time. But they have such a stain now because there's such a purity factor about baseball, whether it be steroids or this cheating scandal. There is such a purity about baseball that if you leave a stain on your resume in the baseball world, I mean, that's a big stain no matter what you did. Exactly. I mean, you know, trying to get future jobs, that's going to affect that. And it seems like it comes in waves with baseball. You know, you, we had that whole whole steroid scandal, like you said, and, and now this, where it's multiple teams, multiple people. And like you said, obviously, um, everyone, I don't care who you are, you've probably done something you're not proud of at one point in, in time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone makes mistakes. you got to learn, learn from them and move on. But um, going back to what you said about the players, yes, I feel like that is also, you know, I have to agree. They should take that title away. Um, and, and for the players, how could you, your whole life, work towards a goal? Mm-hmm. Get to the highest level. Be in, you know, get, be in that position where you've dreamed of. And to take a shortcut right then. You know, now there's an asterisk on it. They can say, hey, I'm, I'm a, a world champion. But people are, you're never going to be able to take that serious. No, you're, right. really, you're really not. And, and um, obviously baseball... Thought they did what they they felt necessary and, and they did what they could. They did what the they could without MLBPA, destroying right. without destroying the image more than they had. They felt like and the players' association exactly. So um, obviously those those guys uh, there's more than just the obviously the managers and things like that who who were involved in that. But I just it, it's just hard for me to think as an athlete if I was in that position to to take a shortcut right then and then and then to win it and how that would suck the joy out of winning mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? It just, it's just ridiculous. And, and, um, you know, I'm with you. I think the players have to be held accountable because this wasn't, you know, obviously the players had to know what was going on for this, the whole system to work and things like that. So, um, I just, it's just tough, man. When, when you talk about cheating and things like that and, and definitely in baseball, when, when the sports already, you know, in kind of a crossroads Mm -hmm. they're trying to get younger fans they're trying to get the sport more entertaining um to make it you know more out there for for a fan experience you talk about the whole net thing that happened during the season you just Mm -hmm. these things just keep coming up to where you know it's really kind of stunting what they're trying to do and and it's unfortunate but um they had to do something obviously this is a big thing you don't want other teams to be doing this and, and things like that. So um, I just it was just tough for me to believe that a team would do that. Um, and and you, I, trying to play devil, devil's advocate, obviously, a lot of pressure is put on these GMs. A lot mm-hmm. of pressure is put on the general managers, on these players. And they're trying to do anything for an edge. You saw it with all those players taking steroids. They were willing to basically kill themselves right. to t- get an edge and and keep their production going and mm-hmm. staying in the spotlight. It's an it, it's an addiction, and I kind of just feel like this kind of spiraled out, out of control to where they kept doing it. It was working. They were getting away with it, and then, obviously, they got caught, and it's all good until you get caught, and, and there's going to be some repercussions, obviously, and it's going to be a black eye again for the MLB, but um, you got to hope that you know you learn from this, other teams learn from this, and they don't follow suit, and, and you try to keep the game, like you said, as pure as possible. I tell you what, that's another issue itself as to uh, how they got caught, as to how this issue came to light. And the misconception lies in the fact that 
Many people believe that Mike Fires, the former Astros pitcher who won, uh, he was part of that World Series in 2017. The misconception is that he just decided to say once he was with another team, yeah, we cheated back then and just throw his teammates under the bus. What he was doing now that he's with the Oakland A's, he's saying, guys, I know how the Astros work. You got to watch out for this. This is what they're doing. If you start hearing these noises, be aware of that. Make sure that you're, you know, Kind of like uh, someone at the ATM trying to hide their pin. You know, you got to hide your signs really well. And, uh, you know, because I know that what, how they operate and how they're trying to pick this off. And it just kept leaking and leaking. And finally, Fires just came out with it and put an end to the rumors. He didn't just try to put his old teammates on blast or anything like that. And he's getting roundly criticized because there's a locker room culture. And they're saying, you don't throw teammates under the bus. Well, I don't believe that's what he was doing. I really don't. And honestly, I think he did the right thing. Yeah, I mean, you talk about going to an, an, an opposing team. Obviously, um, now now you're kind of. I'm not saying you're the enemy, but now you're the opposition. Now mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta you know make it known that yeah, you're telling your your new teammates, your new your new team, this is what they're doing. And um, I don't, I don't think he directly was expecting it to like leak out and things like that. But like you said, yeah, um, if I'm first of all. He shouldn't have been doing that in the first place mm-hmm. with that squad. But, yes, you're going to another team. It would be different if he was going to try to get the A's to do the same type of system. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, word of mouth spreads, man. And especially when it's when it's you talk about something like that, like cheating. You know, it's like, oh, you, did, you, did you hear the, the asterisk? Especially when a team that actually went on and actually completed the mission mm-hmm. to win the championship. I mean, it might have been different if they possibly lost in the World Series or something right. and this came out. Maybe this would, would have been not as big. I think, still think it's a big story, but maybe it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered so much. But right. it's, it's the fact that the season ended with this team that was cheating, hoisting that trophy. And that's not good. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he was directly just going to throw his team under the bus. I think he was doing his job, trying to make his team know that this is what was happening to give them, you know, a similar edge and... I just can't believe it wasn't picked up on. You know, the system. They, they mm. should have people looking for stuff like that, no? Yeah, they should. I mean, does nobody notice Alex Cora is on the phone with the replay room for the entire game? Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, does, does that make, notice that? That's what I'm saying. Don't Baseball should have guys just sitting there watching teams and how they work. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I, I feel like baseball is such a loose game. You know, players are just hanging out half the time. There's hundred something games. You know, some games don't matter in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. It's really loose and things like that. But I think, yeah, I think the league needs to tighten things up and make sure, you know, you're kind of watching these bullpens and and watching the dugouts and things like that, and making sure that every every team's kind of going about the way they should be. Mike Fires is another guy with a, a weird legacy, kind of like today in the sense that we are going to have two teams left fighting for a Super Bowl in the NFL centennial season, and it's still like the third biggest story of the day. Mike Fires has thrown two no-hitters. I mean, there are some really darn good pitchers throughout history, some Hall of Famers that don't even have one, and that that's probably not going to be the most interesting thing about Mike Fires when it's all said and done and when he hangs it up. This is going to be... Right, and that's just another thing. Like, obviously, he doesn't want to be known as that guy. Um, but in the end, I feel like down the road, he should be celebrated for the fact mm-hmm. that he was able to come out and, and actually say this. Because who knows, like I said, who knows what that would have led to? Would the Astros continue to continue doing it? Um, would other teams try to pick up on things like that? And if if one team's starting to do it and getting away with it, why is that not stopping another team to do it? It just stains the game. So um, I think right now, obviously, all fingers are pointing at him, but I think it's something down the road you're going to look back and be like, 
you know, I think he was the bigger person to come out and and even if he was indirectly doing it, the fact that he made that information known, I think that's that's a good thing. Not everybody feels the way that we do, and I'm talking specifically now about our own Jessica Mendoza. She's a Sunday night baseball analyst on ESPN TV. She has an advisor role with the New York Mets, and she was on Golick and Wingo this morning. I've got the sound from that clip. I'm going to play here in a moment, but she was very critical of Mike Fires and backtracked on it just a couple of hours ago. Take a listen. I get it. If you're with the Oakland A's and you're on another team, I mean, heck yeah, you better be telling your teammates, look, hey, heads up. If you hear some noises when you're pitching, like this is what's going on for sure. But to go public, yeah, that it didn't sit, sit well with me. And honestly, it made me sad for the sport that that's how this all got found out. I mean, this wasn't something that MLB naturally investigated or that even other teams complained about because they naturally heard about and then investigations happened. But it, it came from within. It was a player that was a part of it, that benefited from it during the regular season when he was a part of that team. And and that, when I first heard about it, it's just, it hits you like any teammate would, right? It's it's something that you don't do. I totally get telling your future teammates, helping them win, letting people know but to go public with it and call them out and start all of this, it's it's hard to swallow. Major League Baseball has already said they don't want their own people, meaning any player, coach, or anyone that's affiliated with any of the 30 Major League teams to express any kind of opinion or give a statement on the situation. Jessica Mendoza, an advisor to the Mets, as well as an analyst here at ESPN, decides to go on Golik and Wingo and do just that. And it's amazing to me that she can boldly look at Major League Baseball and say, I'm going to disobey you, but that she can boldly look at Major League Baseball and say, I'm going to disobey you and have such a terrible take on it. Yeah, I mean, you're basically saying cheating is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, I'm sure she regrets doing that, but um, yeah, I just, that, that was never my thought to where, like, how dare you do this? I mean... For him, he's putting himself in the line of fire mm-hmm. when he's come out and saying this. The line of fire. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So for him, I feel like he should be celebrated. Like, yeah, he should be obviously punished and you were a part of it and things like that. But thank you for coming out and, and maybe he was feeling a little guilty about it mm-hmm. deep down and you never really know. And this was his way of you know getting that information out. Who knows? But I feel like he's the bigger person for coming out yeah he was a part of it and that actually puts him you know in the grouping so he's really you know obviously people want to talk about don't be snitching and things like that he's snitching on himself basically right um and yeah his teammates are going down with it but his team teammates in in that organization organization can't even be mad at him y'all were cheating (laughs) you were cheating and you won a championship from cheating how are you going to be angry at me i don't know you just can't even take pride in that championship. No you can't. That's what game. I'm saying. I can I can see those players years from now, flashing the ring, flashing. You know, yeah, I won mm-hmm. this 2019, and then you look back on it like, didn't y'all cheat to get that though? They did. So it, that that's illegitimate. <laughs> that doesn't even count. You're gonna, you're gonna have those arguments with your buddies. That you know, you might have won won a championship. That doesn't count though. It's an asterisk. Imagine if they did beat the Nationals in this year's World Series. And you would have had tainted 2017, 19, and probably even 18 because the Red Sox, with Alex Cora as manager, won the title that year. And we would have had three consecutive tainted titles. Mm, it, it, it's it's ridiculous, man. It's, I just don't get how you do that. I don't get how you get to the, the World Series and you're okay with just cheating your way through. and Or you feel good about 
you know, winning all these games, but you're cheating to do it. How can you wake up every morning, go to work honestly, and and you have to cheat, and 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 then to be able to go in front of media, people like that, knowing you're cheating, and just play it off like not like oh yeah, we're just this good. We're mm-hmm. just we're we're hitting the bats. It could possibly be the baseballs. Who really knows? I don't. I'm not really sure what what's why we're hitting so many home runs. I don't know why everyone's hitting home runs. It's because everyone's out there cheating, knocking on trash cans. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it's. It's ridiculous, man. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, OBJ's at it again next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along this Thursday afternoon. Hey, don't forget, coming up on ESPN-UP this evening, 8 o'clock tip, we've got NBA hoops and a potential Eastern Conference playoff preview. We've got the Bucks and Celtics from the Pfizer Forum. Coverage can be heard right here on ESPN-UP. Well, I tell you what, Odell Beckham Jr.'s at it again. It's taken us like three days, really, to get into what was the most interesting part of Monday night. Not even the game itself. The most interesting thing, or things, that happened Monday night happened after the game. And if you've missed this story, it broke yesterday. It started when Odell Beckham Jr., currently the number two wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, uh, went to the... Uh, college football national championship game he was supporting his alma mater lsu he goes on the field after they win the championship and he starts handing the players money Uh, originally lsu put out a statement that said that it was monopoly money that he Mm. was handing out joe burrow the quarterback for that lsu team went on a podcast and he said no it was real money but first of all, I don't know why he did that. I yeah. know I know he doesn't get implicated because as soon as that game went final, he no longer had eligibility. His next snap he takes will be in the NFL. doesn't matter to him. It matters to his teammates and to his school. But first of all, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in that kind of a situation with Odell Beckham? Regardless of what happened in the locker room that's been making headlines today, why go put college kids in that kind of position? Yeah, I mean... When I when I heard I I get it Joe Burrow wanted to to play it cool like yeah he gave me money it doesn't matter though I'm I'm already out of there mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying but but there's going to be players who are potentially returning next season that that are going to be looked into now and getting investigated and things like that um, obviously I'm sure Joe Burrow no, knew his school came out and said you know it wasn't real money and things like that so he he went against the grain there and and yeah it was just. Uh, it was just uh, I just disagreed with how Joe, Joe Burrow went about that. Um, right now, where it's you know it's right in investigation. Like I would have just let that. You know, it just makes him look bad. Mm-hmm. Now his teammates are like, "What are you doing?" Or the school, his school is like, "Why? Why would you do that?" Mm-hmm. Let them do the investigation and let that take its course. You go worry about your thing. You're not a part of this anymore. Um, but I just remember seeing o- OBJ at the end of that game, and it just didn't sit right with no. me. I'm just like. What are you doing He's here? He's doing something. I mean, I get it. You went to LSU. Um, you know, you're you're rooting on guys you cheer for. You probably know a lot of these guys. I'm sure you're you're at the school or you're involved in some way throughout the season with the team. I know that I think they wear his shoes and mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, I, I get why he's you know rooting for the team. But this team just just won the championship, celebrating, feeling great. It's all about the kids. All about the, the players. And he has to come in here storming, acting just ridiculous, mm-hmm. flashing money like it's like it's cool to do, and then is just handing money to people. I'm, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, this isn't right. No. Like, why is he here? 
and then a video the video comes out about him like you know um, with the police officer oh, putting boy. his hands on the police officer and and you know he's giving them a good game mm-hmm. a pat on the backside a you're always taught to never touch a police <laughs> officer i don't care you can't even touch i remember one time uh there was a we were walking by an, an incident and there was a police dog and my buddy wanted to go and pet the dog and i'm like you can't you can't no. t- you can't you can't put your hands on a police officer it doesn't matter if you're putting your your hand on their back or anything so you got to know he knew that mm-hmm. and the fact that he was in there dancing around this police officer if, if you haven't seen the video go check it out it's ridiculous i'm not even sure why the police are even in the locker room at the time well, I, believe, I don't know what I they're think there doing were, the team was smoking cigars in there and i believe that's why the police were in there and if you okay. missed this video the police are Talking with several of the players, they are uh, checking, I think, for paraphernalia like the cigars that were being smoked in the locker room. Odell Beckham Jr. walks up to a security guard and slaps him on the backside. And today, that security guard issued an arrest warrant for Odell Beckham Jr. At first, it was for sexual assault, which is just ridiculous. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. should never have done that. I mean, that's ridiculous in itself. But then, for sexual assault was the original charge. A judge said, no, I'm not going to issue anything for you to go after and get, as he should have. So, now it's just simple assault that they've issued an arrest warrant for Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. I mean... In de- definition, I'm, I'm, yeah, he put his hands on him. You could define that as assault. That's mm-hmm. that's very true. Um, in the video, I felt like the cop, cops were being kind of extra. I'm not taking the player. I'm not taking OBJ's side, but mm-hmm. they were like trying to look what's in their their you know Powerade bottle. They're sitting there trying to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Like just let the kids be. Um, but yeah, I mean OBJ coming in and trying to steal the shine and things like that. You got an arrest warrant. I can argue he's already serving a sentence in Cleveland. <laughs> so why do you got to make the guy you know get another one here? You know he's already locked in for a little while and in prison. But um, it was just a weird moment, and it was just something you know OBJ does this man. Mm-hmm. He can't. You, he always has to be the center of attention, and. Um, he just does stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. You talk about like the net thing where he hits the net and and just just you know hanging out with people he shouldn't, taking photos that he probably shouldn't be taking, and and uh, it's just another. I, I was kind of wanting OBJ to come to Green Bay. I was I was a huge believer, but after this incident, yeah. I'm just like, man, at some point this is just ridiculous. And if you're gonna just go off the the rails, it's like. Who's gonna take? It's almost like an OBJ or uh, Antonio Brown situation. Not where quite, but he's not, getting not there. there. Not not yet. Somewhere but, between him and T. But he's on that projection. Exactly. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. just never know what this guy's capable of or what he's going to do. And the fact that he, as an NFL player, had to go there, throw money, steal a little bit of the shine from the players, and now put this negative light on his university. Just nothing good is coming from it. And and OBJ, you know, he's gonna get some some. Uh, punishment from it, obviously. I tell you what, and like you said, Cleveland, that might be enough of a punishment as well. This is going to be a parking ticket, you know, this uh, type offense. This is a slap on the wrist. He actually has to keep playing in Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski, you think he's starting to regret taking that Cleveland job now that he's already got this on his plate one week into it? I mean, I would hope before he even agreed to the job, he kind of knew what he was getting himself. I'm I'm sure all the coaches, the whole league knows about Odell, and Mm -hmm. he's a prima donna, and he can kind of be a crybaby. He can get very emotional. You can get into his head. You know, defensive coordinators know that. I'm sure Kevin Stefanski knew that. I'm sure he kind of kept an eye on Cleveland throughout the whole season and kind of 
kind of knew the dynamic there and, and, and whatnot. I'm more interested to see what the university does towards Odell. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a he's a storied athlete there, um, done a lot of great for the school, was a great player there. But at, at this point, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like, they can't be happy with this guy, mm-hmm. and it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad look. It's it, a very bad look. And I wonder what the NCAA is going to do to LSU because here's the thing. They would have to, uh, to prove that Odell Beckham Jr., is paying players based on performance, and I I don't know that it's as clear cut and dry as that. Like my brother is a college athlete, he's a college football player out in South Dakota. If he tells me that he needs twenty dollars for books and I give him a twenty, I don't know if the NCAA has a problem with that, or if I'm just you know from a family member to another, you know, giving him you know money, or if he just wants to go buy a cheeseburger, or something doesn't have to do with football. Odell Beckham Jr.'s argument, LSU's argument against the NCAA is that. You know, this is just a guy who's out of the kindness of his heart, just sharing his right. wealth. They can't necessarily prove intent or motivation, mm-hmm. although the NCAA doesn't necessarily need it. As we've seen in the past, right. they can kind of act however they want. Yeah, I don't really know what how they kind of judge that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is it is it how much money these athletes are given? Because, yeah. What if you're just a friend and you just want to, you know, pay for something for mm-hmm. a player? Like, what is why is that any different from, I guess, a booster giving a kid? Yeah, it's a late Christmas. You know, you know what I mean? What? It, yeah, I'm out of the kindness of my heart. I'm giving this to them. Right, and um, that's what they'll say. They'll try right. to paint Odell as a booster, just like they did Penny Hardaway with Memphis mm-hmm. in the James Wiseman situation. But in this case, Odell's not trying to recruit any of these guys. Already there. Right, and exactly, and it just didn't look at him acting a fool, dancing, mm-hmm. um, and. And the way he was doing it, he was literally in front of cameras, showing off his money, handing it, like looking <laughs> in the camera, like not in his head, like, yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Here's a hundred. Here's a hundred. If you're Odell, like, why would you, why won't not wait till af- the after party, mm-hmm. man? Why are you in front of all the ESPN cameras and, and all these media reporters and things flashing money? <laughs> I sure just, no adult beverages just, were involved. Right. Maybe he was, maybe he was a little, I don't know what he was on, but. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't right. Nothing was right about it, and someone should have stopped him. Doing the money handshake on the field? Yeah. You all know what that is. You know, you hide the $100 bill in your palm, you reach out, shake somebody's hand. He's like playing a game. Yeah. It was like a game to him. Like, he was making a mockery of the NCAA a little Mm -hmm. bit. Maybe he was trying to prove a point or something, but it just coming back to him looking really, really stupid once again, and it's a reoccurring thing with OBJ, and he's a great talent. It's similar with AB. At some point, your actions off the field are going to overtake what you bring on the field. And if this keeps up, I mean, he's just hurting himself. To be fair, that was probably Odell Beckham Jr. I'm being devil's advocate here Mm -hmm. a little bit. But that was probably his happiest moment wearing Tiger apparel because they never used him like they should have when he was in college. Les Miles is going to go down as one of those coaches Mm -hmm. almost egregious as Paul Johnson for his underutilization of Calvin Johnson. Right. I mean, you know, I I look back at his his college tape and and you know he had his his moments and things like that. But looking at what he has become, yes, maybe he didn't really understand what he had at his disposal at the mm-hmm. time. But that's what I mean. I I think he was trying to live vicariously through these players a little mm-hmm. bit, and he was celebrating like he just won it, and he just did it. Uh, you know, I think he was maybe trying to do like a Big Brother type of of vibe there. He just did it the wrong way. It just wasn't. It just wasn't good. And putting your hand on a police officer. No. Anybody out there knows listening right now that is not. You can't do that, especially there. Especially there in front of cameras against uh, to an officer who was like kind of like being you know really 
aggressive and he things like that. He was looking for a reason. He was to he was trying to be somebody. a bad, you know, he was yeah, he was trying to that, exactly. He was out there looking for it. And he just was like one of those cops that maybe had, had, was abusing his power. I'm not saying he was, maybe there was a good reason, but just from the I'm just talking from the video, he was kind of being one of those type of cops, you know what I mean? Like I have a badge, I'm better than you and just don't put your hands on cops. I don't know what the hell's to say, man. Come on. <laughs> that might have been Odell Beckham Jr.'s happiest moment as a football player in the last four years. Right. Ever since he made he's the playoffs a, with New York. That's what I'm saying. He's in Cleveland now. No one's really talking about him. He wanted to go out there and make a splash on the national stage, and he did it. He did. He did it. It's not the way you do it, but... No. Okay, maybe this is the one area where bad publicity really is bad publicity. Yes. This might be it. Yeah, and it's only because he stacked bad publicity... You know, he did several stupid because things. Because it's a pattern. Yes. And and it's not just hurting himself. He's hurting his old university's alma mater. He's hurting the players on that team. And he's hurting he could potentially be hurting LSU for future success in the in the near future. Yeah, if there are two people I don't want to be, you know, in the presence of Ed Orgeron, Joe Burrow, and Odell Beckham Jr. today. Oh man. I, he just can't be happy with those two. I wouldn't. No. You can't. It's it's a it's it it stains what they just accomplished. No one's really been talking about the national champion LSU no. Tigers. They're talking about OBJ, <laughs> how LSU said it was Monopoly money fake. they probably looking like they, they were lying. That's what they're talking about. No one's actually talking about what they just accomplished, what they were working for. They should have their players, you know, talking about the rings, you know, talking about the games, talking about the journey. It was an amazing journey. You're talking mm-hmm. about Ed Orgeron, who had to overcome a lot to get to that point. A lot of players who were doubted. LSU battling against Alabama, finally taking them down this season and getting over that hump, and and man, and now we uh, we're sitting here talking about OBJ doing dumb stuff again. It's it's ridiculous. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our next time out. When we come back, let's take a look ahead to this weekend and the conference championships on the NFL side of things. Next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along. Here's your Sports Center update. Hawaii's Nick Rolovich has been named the new head football coach at Washington State. He's on a five-year deal replacing Mike Leach. College basketball last night, Alabama dominated number 4 Auburn 83-64. That is the Tigers' first loss of the season. It leaves San Diego State as the last unbeaten team in college hoops this year, just like we all thought. San Diego State. San Diego State. How about it? And finally, a Colorado restaurant is charging customers every time they ask a, quote, stupid question and adding it to their bill. Tom's Diner in Denver is locally famous for charging customers 38 cents every time they ask a question they deem stupid. A screenshot of a customer's receipt that showed the diner charged him $12.37 for a chicken tender basket, a side of mashed potatoes, and a stupid question recently went viral on Reddit. How about that? I mean, if, I guess if you warn people you're going to be doing it, <laughs> if you do it, then they can't be mad. 38 cents for a stupid question. I mean, I'd I'd just go into it knowing I'm, I'm going to be spending a couple more dollars on, on top of my meal. What, what a stupid question would be at a restaurant. Like, I need to know the menu, I would think. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder what you would, would have be, to define that. What would be a stupid enough question I could get you? Like, I'm looking for a way to get charged 38 cents next time I'm in Denver and I decide to stop at Tom's just, Diner. Just ask for, like, the special Probably like, are you stupid? It's on the sign right over there. It's a dumb question. <laughs> My case, I probably Charged. couldn't read it. <laughs> I, I mean, just, that's true. <laughs> I like, uh, let's see, if I'm thinking if I know the, the menu, I know the restaurant. If I go to McDonald's, what would be a stupid question? How much is 
how much is food on the dollar menu? Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know, or something like I don't know, something where it's just like a. But is it a dollar now that I'm thinking about it? Right, I mean, because it's like never really a dollar. Or, yeah. Like, you go to Subway, you ask, how much for the $5 foot long? Because it was never $5. Right. Uh, uh, shoot, what about, how many items can I get on the two for five? Because I think they still have that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's a 24-hour restaurant. When do you close? Yeah, when do you, yeah, when when do you, you open close. again? Yeah. Do you sell beer at McDonald's? Exactly. That would be a dumb so you're on fire. See? Yeah, I'd probably just racked up like three bucks <laughs> there right you go. there. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're along. Conference championship weekend coming up this weekend. I I believe, Jake, I don't know about the rest of us, but I do believe this is the best day in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Even Super Bowl Sunday, which would be coming up here in about two and a half weeks, this is like the best day in the NFL because basically you have two Super Bowls. You have two of them. Mm -hmm. You have two games like this. Yeah, um, and I have to agree with you because – Sometimes the Super Bowl it gets built up so much, and you and it, the anticipation for it, the suspense for it gets built up so much that it never really lives up to the hype. Like last year. Like last year. Um, so and it can, so you watch it and you're like, that was good, but it, they made it seem like it would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but for these, it's pretty much like a normal week. You're going into the game, like you said. Um, you know, you're 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 fighting your way to the Super Bowl, and I think that makes it just that much better i guess you could say and you're you're obviously going up against normally a team that you you're used to going up against it's going to be good man i think both of these both of these matchups can go either way they're mm-hmm. interesting matchups obviously um i guess we can start with the afc with the chiefs and titans you know the chiefs obviously they're high powered i think pat mahomes is finally healthy he's he's confident with with that injury and things like that um they've been playing better they're just so good. I keep thinking, like, I want to t- take Tennessee, but it's like, you just saw them go and beat Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You saw them beat New England. Like, what's stopping me from picking them against Kansas City? But then you think about this Kansas City offense. You think about Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Robinson, just all these guys that they have. They have, like, three backs. Um, that offense is so good. If Tennessee falls behind, will that offense be able to keep up? I don't know, man. It's this one's tough. I like I like Tennessee's defense. I like Vrabel as a coach. Um, if they can jump on them, get on them early, I think they can they can wear down anybody really. Um, that offense, uh, Derrick Henry. Players have talked about tackling that guy's like running through through a wall, and you've seen it over multiple times in a game. Second half, defenses start to let up a little bit. They're not running towards Henry as fast. They're kind of trying to avoid um, trying to feel like, how can I tackle this guy in the least painful way? And that's when you see Derrick Henry bust one of those 70 yarders um, where he's just rolling downfield. Or that's when, you know, defenses are selling out on the run and he's somehow still getting four, five, mm-hmm. six yards a run. Um, it's just because he's just that big. You know, Tennessee's offensive line is really good too, don't get me wrong, but he's just that type of talent. He can run really fast, he's big. Um, he's powerful, and he just wears you down. And Mike Vrabel knows what he got. He's 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 gonna keep doing it. Obviously, he's not gonna put it. That, you know, obviously, he's not gonna go. Let's go beat that. Let's go beat Kansas City at their game. Let's go throw fifty times, mm-hmm. try to outscore Kansas City. No, that's not what they're gonna do. They're gonna continue doing what they've been doing. Um, Kansas City's defense is questionable. Mm-hmm. If if Tennessee can get a couple scores and and you know do what they can to take some of these weapons out of the out of the way, I, I can see Tennessee winning it. Am I going to pick against Kansas City? I, I'm not. Right. I, you know, at home, just the the way they came back against uh, Houston, that was very impressive. Um, 
Do I think they can go down like they did against Houston to Tennessee and come back and win? No. Can, can they do it two weeks in a yeah, row? No, because probably not. the one thing that Tennessee does do very well is they just eat clock. Mm-hmm. So if Kansas City finds themselves falling behind early, and let's say Tennessee gets a turnover, goes up two scores, now you're in danger zone mm-hmm. because Tennessee can get the ball and chew six to eight minutes off mm-hmm. of the clock at any given point. And that's point. what Houston couldn't do last exactly. week. They couldn't control time possession they once could. they had the big lead. Exactly. So this is a whole different dynamic, a whole different monster that Kansas City is going up against. If Kansas City plays more of a Tennessee game, obviously I think Tennessee's going to win it. And if if they have to get in a shootout and Kansas City goes up two, three scores and, and Tennessee can't really do what they want by running the ball all the time because they don't have time to do it, then I think Kansas City wins it. I think we're going to know early on in the game who's going to have the upper hand. And, um, yeah, man, this could go either way, though. That's what makes it so good, though. I'm going to go Kansas City. Let me ask you this, Jake. If you could take away contracts, take away age, anything like that, just based on performance, would you pick any other running back than Derrick Henry right now? For your team, would you take anyone else over Derrick Henry? For me... I would take. I, I would look at probably like Dalvin Cook or something, a, a really? faster back. I just like that type of back. Um, for me, right now though, you can't argue that he's he's the best at what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Just off based off his performance, you can't argue that. Um, it's close. Uh, he would be one of the top one, two, one, two, three guys. Saquon's another guy that I'm huge on, who I think can be a game breaker. But he's one of the few running backs who can really take over a game and and be that difference maker. So I would say. Right now, just off of recent memory, yeah, he would be the guy that I would probably start in my backfield if I was m- making a team. Would you take Christian McCaffrey over Derrick Henry? No. No. I just, I mean, because Derrick Henry can really kind of, you know, stop your, your faults from kind of coming to the surface. Derrick Henry can make Ryan Tannehill look like a really good quarterback. I think Derrick Henry is very an integral part at the resurgence of, of Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill is throwing 100-yard games and they're winning games, but mm-hmm. he's getting praised as a guy who's came in and resurrected you know, the Tennessee Titans because, yes, he can make a couple more throws than probably Marcus Mariota can make. And, yes, he's a little better at not turning the ball over, and that's all they needed. They just needed a better game manager. They didn't need some guy to come in and, and have to throw four touchdowns in a game. Ryan Tannehill was just a little bit better than Marcus Mariota, and fit that team a little bit better he could throw he's a little bit more accurate could throw downfield a little better didn't turn the ball over and Tret or derrick henry kept doing what he's doing so um i would take derrick henry over christian mccaffrey because you know christian mccaffrey's great don't get me wrong you can't go wrong either way but um a lot of christian mccaffrey does you got to give him to the ball you know you got to throw him the ball um derrick henry all you really have to do is hand the ball off to him and watch him work it's a little bit easier for you andy reed or mike Vrabel? You know, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go Mike Vrabel, just because um, I agree. the path they took to get there. I mean, they were dead in the water six games in the season, um, and Vrabel made the move to sit Marcus Mariota, a guy that was their franchise quarterback for years, and go with a guy who was still kind of unproven, who left Miami not looking very good. No, and he took a shot, and that's a huge move that some coaches would be afraid to make, and he he made the move. And obviously, you know, the the team kind of takes, reflects the type of coach you are, the type of person you are. And that team's just very physical, smash-mouth football. You know what they're going to do, and they're going to come out, and they're going to do it. And um, Vrabel's a huge part. You know, they take the personality of the coach, and he's just, he's a leader. 
and I just feel like what he's done with what he's had to work with is just a little bit more impressive. The run, the, you know, just those two wins already in the playoffs is unbelievable. To go into Baltimore and stop Lamar Jackson and company, and part of that was on Lamar not being able to throw the ball. He mm. kind of relapsed a little bit, and, and you know, we're kind of like, okay, this guy still has some work to do. But, I mean, just the, f- the fact, that the way they got there, it's just so impressive. You know, Andy Reid's really good with X's and O's. He's got really good personnel. But um, the fact that Mike Vrabel was able to take what he had to work with and just get the best out of them and, and you know, not be secretive about what they're doing and they're just going to go in and run the ball on you and, and we're going to play solid defense and you're not going to be able to stop it. And I just feel like Tennessee, as a surprise team, is just more impressive to me. Two of the top NFL mustaches. I would say the two top coaching mustaches for sure squaring off this weekend. Two of the top three along with Gardner Minshew between Vrabel and Andy Reid. Gotta throw Minshew in there. Uh, Yeah, I have to. I mean, he's got the best mustache in football. His mustache is the mustache of the NFL. Yeah. Let me ask you this here before we go to break. Which of the four remaining teams, we'll talk about the NFC on the other side of the break, which of the remaining four teams do you feel the least confident in? Which is the most vulnerable? The most vulnerable? Mm Mm-hmm. For me, it's the Packers. Just is because it really? Of, it is just because of of what happened in Week 12 with San Fran, and we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. But um, I just feel like that's a bigger. I, I feel like Tennessee going into Kansas City isn't as big of a task as Green Bay going into San Fran, just because of that defense and the overall scheme that Kyle Shanahan has on offense. It's 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 going to be a tough task. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our next time out. We'll break down the NFC Championship game next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with The Sports Pen podcast. Get it from our free mobile app from the Apple iStore, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and check out the on-demand there. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along. Don't forget, NBA action tonight on ESPN-UP. 8 o'clock tip for the Bucks and Celtics from the Pfizer Forum. We're glad to have it for you, and we're glad to have you along as we get closer to the 5 o'clock hour. Tell you what, Jake, made you wait to the end for it, but now we get to talk about maybe your favorite thing in the world. Right up there, mm-hmm. the Cheese People. They have Cheese a people. rematch with Santa Clara's team this weekend. Mm-hmm. And... You know the way I look at this game is, if you're going to make it to the Super Bowl, you got to go through. You got to you got to you know face your demons a little bit. And I know throughout this season, the one game that Green Bay fans, their players and coaches, you know, probably felt least good about as the game ended was that San Francisco performance in Week 12. I mean, looking back at it, dominated in all aspects, fell behind early. Obviously, they just looked like they shouldn't have been on the field with them. And I think that was the one game that I went into where I just didn't feel great. Um, obviously, Green Bay lost three games this season. I thought they should have beat Philly. I felt good going in that game. And I thought they should have went out and beat uh, Los Angeles uh, Chargers. And I just felt like they didn't show up. Going into that San Fran game, I'm like, this is a team that just doesn't match up well with Green Bay. I mean, that defense is scary. They can rush four. They got first-round picks all on that, that line, uh, defensive line. Richard Sherman is is back to his old ways. Um their linebackers are so fast. Quan Alexander's back. They got D Ford back. Um, I'm blanking on number 54. Is it Wagner? I, mm, I, I Bobby can't. Wagner. 
Uh, no, I'm no, sorry. Uh, uh, Warner, Fred Warner. Warner, Fred Warner. He's mm-hmm. he's a he's a monster. That defense is scary, and um, the, the the defensive line really dominated the Packers offensive line in that game. And and Green Bay's offensive line, I feel, is one of the better O lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they're gonna have to do. They got it. They they obviously can't have Aaron holding onto the ball. Uh, they, they might have to use some screens. They got to get the ball out of Aaron's hands and let that his playmakers make plays. Obviously, they're going to try to stop Devonta Adams, especially after his last performance in their last game. So who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Alan Lazard, who's been kind of thrusted in that number two wide receiver position? Is it going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's had a very underwhelming year? I don't really know what happened to this guy. Um, who is it going to be? Somebody... Somebody step up. Is it? Is it? I don't know if Jeron, I know Jeron Mo Allison has been fighting an illness. I don't mm-hmm. know if he'll play, but maybe him. Maybe it's Jimmy Graham again making plays. They're going to need someone other than Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers to step up and make a couple big time plays. Obviously that defense as well. Jimmy G, he's a good quarterback. Do I do I trust in Jimmy G? No, no. I don't even know if their fans do. <laughs> um, he wanted to throw a couple picks last game, and he hasn't really done anything in the playoffs. They are ahead of schedule, that, this whole team. No one mm-hmm. expected them to be in this position. No. The thing with it for me, and I think this is the one thing that can help Green Bay because of that blowout loss, is if you're San Francisco, do you look back at that and say, let's do the exact same thing and hope that it, the, the same result happens? Mm-hmm. Knowing that Green Bay is going to look back at that and be prepared for something like that. Or... Do you try to do something completely different and hope you get similar results with the, you know, obviously the op- the thing happening where Green Bay, it doesn't, you know, they do kind of react well and Green Bay makes it a close game. You know, what do you do? Are you over going to overthink it too much? Like, are you going to try to come out and, and do something completely 180 from what you did? And it not work as well, and then you're stuck in that game plan, and now you're discombobulated, and and Green Bay is making this a game, and and all the pressure's on you because you're seven and a half point favorites, you're at home, and you've been a dominant team all season. It's going to be tough, man, because obviously Green Bay is going to look back at that game, they're going to be look at recent games, and they're going to be ready for for whatever they want to throw at them. It's going to be tough, man. You could really overthink it, especially Kyle Shanahan, who's who's a younger coach in the league and things like that. I don't know. It's going to be tough. Do I think it's going to be the same outcome? I do not. No, I think it's going to be a much better game. Yeah. So are you picking? I'm picking Green Bay in this All game. Right. I, That's I, what I, I like. I was to talking hear. to you a little bit a while ago. I'm gonna. I'm sinking with the ship. If it's gonna. Mm-hmm. If it's gonna sink, I'm going down with it. I respect that. Um, so and and our pick them, I'll probably end up losing off the pick as well. If 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 we're gonna if we're gonna lose, if the Green Bay is gonna lose, I'm gonna lose as well. That's how it's gonna be. I'm going down with with the team. Um, am I confident they're gonna win? Not really. Why am I picking them? I don't know. I think it's about a thirty percent chance, probably thirty percent chance they go in there and win. I think it's gonna be a closer game. I think Aaron's playing better. Um, I think they they have a little bit more momentum going into this game. I think they know what to expect. It's obviously going to be a lot louder and more intense, but they get the idea of what it's going to be like. I don't know, man. This is one of those games where Aaron could really cement himself and be one of those legacy games if he's able to go in there and have a good game and make throws and leave with a win. I could I could see that happening. Do I I just don't see another blowout and and like I said, all the pressures on San Fran they blew them out earlier in the season. They're seven and a half point favorites. They're at home. 
Green Bay, you hear it all the time. You hear the cliche. They're going in with house money. They have nothing to lose. Lay it all out on the field. I think LaFleur is going to have a good game plan. I trust him. I think they're going to really try to use screen games and, and make sure Aaron doesn't get sacked and things like that as much as he can or get hit. And they're going to run the ball, I, I, and they just need some players to step up. It's going to take an A-plus game from Green Bay on both sides. That defense is going to have to be good, too. They're going to have to be that dominant defense, really attack. Don't let George Kittle come out and break away. Those receivers, they have a handful of receivers. Those DBs are going to have to be good, and they're going to have to get at Jimmy G and make him make mistakes. I think they need to force one or two turnovers on defense to stay in the game. There are two storylines that are really cool going into this weekend that people aren't talking about enough. One is the fact that we could get the Packers and the Chiefs to meet in the NFL's 100th uh, anniversary Super Bowl when they played in the first ever Super Bowl. We could get it in the NFL's 100th season. I think it would be really cool if the Packers and Chiefs were to do that. Number two, there is a very unorthodox, almost unprecedented method of drafting that's been done by the Niners for about seven full years now and it spanned two different front offices John Lynch in the current administration and then Trent Baalke in the previous team it was it's it's not being talked about enough but the last time the Niners drafted a skill position player on offense in the first round that was 2012 mm-hmm. and he retired after one year never recorded a stat never had a yard of receiving um, they have since gone with all linemen in the first round of every draft ever since then, from guys like Bosa, McGlinchey, and all the other guys that they have there in the trenches. And they rely on, okay, skilled position guys. We talk about how this offense, they don't have a lot of household name playmakers. Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, that rotating trio of backs they have between Breida and Mostert and Coleman. And they don't have those household names. They have a genius an absolute genius as their head coach who gets the most out of those guys, those okay, slightly above average skill players, as long as they have dominant guys in the trenches on both sides of the ball. That's not being talked about enough, how the Niners have drafted for almost a full decade now. Mm-hmm. You know, each team has its formulas. Each team values different positions more. But what what's the saying? You always want to build your team from the inside out, meaning you want to build it from from their defense and offensive lines outwards um and they found a nice balance of like you said it seemed like every single year they're drafting a defensive lineman you know and and it, it yeah it took eric armstead a little bit of time you know nick bose is looking like the stud he is um etc but yeah i mean everything it's, it's coming to fruition now and it's in it these guys are playing together and things like that and then what they do a good job is is they they go out and grab a couple guys you go get Jimmy Garoppolo, who's an up-and-coming quarterback who has a lot of potential. You go and get a Richard Sherman to kind of shore up that secondary. Because other than Richard Sherman, you got like Witherspoon. Their, their, uh, their safeties aren't like household names mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, but you got a guy like Richard Sherman out there to lead that squad. You go and get an Emmanuel Sanders when you, obviously you're hurting. Um, and then you hit, you hit the jackpot with a George Kittle. You know, so they're they're picking at every 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 little spot you can you can get players. You know, you're over here grabbing a you're hitting on you know a couple gems in the draft. Obviously, you're getting a lot of first round picks on the lines, um, because I mean, for the most part, when you draft a, a lineman high, they usually end up turning out to be pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You might have a one and two here, like Eric Flowers or something like that, where you know maybe it doesn't work out. But for the most part, you're getting a solid player no matter what when you draft an offensive lineman high in the first round. Or a defensive lineman at that. So 
they've just found a nice balance. And like you said, when you have a really good offensive line full, filled with first-rounders, you just find someone who's really fast to run the ball, and they're going to have space. It's going to open up for you. And, um, yeah, man, you got to give them credit. They've, they've done a nice job of knowing where the important positions are and, and making sure they, they know what they got there. And then you're just, you know, you're, it's like you got, you got your meat. You're cooking something. Then you're just adding your spice here and there. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good job doing that. And, and obviously Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff, is it's just a great pairing. It's a great pairing. And, and um, you know, but that's why you always hear the Niners in talks like, this potentially this player could potentially land in San Francisco. San Francisco would be a great place. They don't mm-hmm. really have a good wide receiver like that. Oh, why don't bring over Emmanuel Sanders, you know? And, and now they got a bunch of young guys they haven't had to really pay yet. So they're right in that window that you need to be. Obviously, Jimmy G is is a quarterback that's that's on the rise, and yeah, they got it going right now. I tell you what, we've been talking about who you trust more, who's most vulnerable, who's not vulnerable. Let me pose this one to you. We've got two guys, probably the two, I don't want to say not talented, but the least talented of the four quarterbacks this weekend that will be making their debut this far into the postseason. They've never been to conference championship weekend. You've got Pat Mahomes, who you said earlier looks like he's finally getting back to full strength. And then you've got an aged Aaron Rodgers who came off a really good game against Seattle on Sunday. Which of those quarterbacks is most vulnerable this weekend and which is least in your opinion? I think Ryan Tannehill will probably be the most vulnerable if they're, if he has to throw them back into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, Kansas City's secondary isn't a great, great unit. It's not mm-hmm. a dominant unit. Their defense doesn't scare me as much, but I just feel like we could potentially see Tannehill kind of fall back into his old ways a little bit and maybe make some questionable decisions if he's in a situation he hasn't been used to being in. Tennessee's been up in games, in these playoff games. The pressure hasn't been on him to have to score points. It's just manage the game. If Kansas City goes up 14 nothing, and they're threatening again, and you got to start scoring with this team, I can kind of see maybe Tannehill falling apart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, Aaron Rodgers is an interesting one because... I think Jimmy G has enough around him. That I think that defense will kind of cover for him a little bit. If he makes a mistake, that defense can really pr- get the ball right back if they mm-hmm. wanted to. So I don't know if, you know, obviously he, he has a lot to prove. He hasn't really done much in the playoffs. So maybe Jimmy G, the next vulnerable guy, if, if say, he starts getting rattled or, you know, he's been known to be a guy who can really string together, you know, interceptions and turnovers. If he starts feeling that pressure a little bit, maybe, maybe him just because he hasn't done it before. Aaron, I would say Aaron Rodgers is third just because of all these questions of his decline and him having the best team he's had, or I guess the best defense. People forget that Packers team was loaded in 2010 when they, they won. They were. They had like five ridiculous receivers. They had Charles Woodson's, Nick Collins, a young Clay Matt. Loaded. Looking back on that team, absolutely just ridiculous, the weapons he had. Is Micah Hyde on that team? Um, I'm, I don't think so. Sam Springs? Sam Shields was on Sam the team. Shields, Sam Shields was on the team. Yep. A younger Tremont Williams. Mm. Uh, like I said, Charles Woodson. Nick Collins, who could have potentially ended up being one of the better, best safeties ever play if he didn't get hurt. Mm. Um, you know, you had B.J. Raji, a guy that could just stuff the run. Teams weren't really running on the team. And then, you know, Superman Clay Matthews with the long flowing hair. A young young lion out there running he around. He was a monster. Um so Aaron Rodgers, I think, you know, obviously going up against a defense like that and all the questions and marks around him, 
Um, you know, he's pretty, you know, put him third. And then obviously Pat Mahomes, is he's just Pat Mahomes. He's just got to go out there and do what he does. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. And with that, we're hitting the 5 o'clock hour. Man, I appreciate you being here. I'm going to see you before that Packer game kicks off, though. So I'm sure we're going to have more of these discussions and exchanges. We'll see what else transpires in the news cycle until then. What do you have coming up at Local 3, though? Well, we just kicked off the high school sports zone uh, yesterday night at 7.30. We, it's the basketball edition. So, um, you know, it was the first episode. It was our first go at it. Um, it's just going to get bigger and better, like I, you know, I always say, once we, once we kind of hammer some things down. But tune in, man. It's a very unique show. Um, no one else is really doing it. I put a lot of work into it outside of my, my normal duties at Local 3, you know, doing the sports cast. So a lot of work does go into it. Um, and it's, and yeah, man, we're just trying to focus on basketball. Really. We, we do cover, you know, hockey and things like that, but really focus is on high school basketball right now. And, um, you know, just, just getting through the college season and things like that, you know, just we're, we're getting through it. You know, my Facebook memories told me, or they reminded me that one year ago today, you rigged that shootout against me in studio. Listen, (laughs) there has been, I found out year at season one. I had lost like my first five games, and my producers thought it would be funny that they just say I lose every single one. So there might have been a little bit of you know um, fibbing going on against me, <laughs> saying you know they just wanted good TV and wanted me to suffer on air, thinking I'm losing all of these matches. Because mm-hmm. when you're in it, you're not counting. Since then, I've been really good at making sure all of the things are are good. All <laughs> all the scores are right; they're accurate. So. There's no nothing going on behind the scenes. I will promise you that. Watch your own MLB investigation. Yes, trust me. I fixed that. We got those guys out of there. I'm going undefeated this season. If you're a high school athlete listening right now, come on to the Sports Zone. Hit me up on, on Facebook, social media, Twitter. Let's set one up. It takes about a half hour. Come to the studio. We can do it on the weekend if, if you're busy during the week. Come play me. I'm, I'm trying to get competitors to come in. I feel like these kids are scared these days. They don't want to lose to. Ooh. They don't want to lose to an old head on Ooh. TV. I'm, I'm challenging you, you, you athletes out there. Okay, you don't even, you don't even have to be a basketball player. <laughs> you don't even have to be a basketball. Player. If you're just a high school athlete, come on in and let's have some fun, man. It's, it's funny games. I, w- I want to take these guys on, and I, and I, and I'm, I'm competitive too, and, and I'm, I'm not going to lose, guys. So come on in and get on the sports zone. Tanner hoops, Jake Durant with you. Once again, that's it for us. Back on tomorrow, same time and place, four Eastern, three. Central. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops for Jake Duran on ESPN UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.